Hello and welcome back to CHGO White Sox. Yeah, we're laughing. It's funny. Presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hi. Welcome into the CHGO West Loop Studios. They're beautiful. It's at night. The White Sox just lost 7-3 to the Oakland Athletics. My name is Herb Lawrence. Usually it'll be Sean Anderson here, but Sean Anderson is out watching the Backstreet Boys. Because I heard they're back, Rick. That I can confirm the Backstreet Boys are back. All right. Thank you. And they are in Tinley Park tonight, so I'm assuming that's where Sean Anderson is. So since he's out there enjoying his time mm-hmm. with everybody, yeah, we're going to be here. Well, me, Herb Lawrence, I usually sit over there where Rick Camp is sitting, and that's mm-hmm. Rick Camp, by the way. You oh. remember him from such uh, stations as The Score, 670 AM. I was there back in the day. And... Rick Camp will be breaking down White Sox stuff with me. And behind the camera, you can't see him, but you'll hear him. You heard him right there harmonizing with me on the Backstreet Boys. It's Steven Nicholas doing our production for today. <sighs> like, why do we, like, like why? why did Period. we choose this team? Like, I, all, I've said it before. Yeah. I'll say it again. You know, people want to go have a time machine to stop Hitler or to, you know, win a, win, get the sports almanac. All I want to do, the only thing I want to do, is go back mm-hmm. and beat the shit out of that 12-year-old kid who made me a White Sox fan. The shit out of him. This season, man. 49-50 and 50 for a championship contender? Man, oh, man. It's so, so frustrating to watch this team on a daily basis. You know, and this is the thing. I know eventually, in my heart of hearts, I'm going to be cheering a AL Central championship. That's the thing. I know that this team will win enough games because Minnesota sucks. And Cleveland's a little better, and they scare me more than Minnesota. But I know in my heart of hearts that they will eventually get to that AL Central. So this is very, very annoying. Let me have Rick say some things before I start cussing. Um, Rick, yeah, the White Sox lost 7-3 to to the Oakland Athletics, where we made fun of, well, I made fun of, the people in the athletics lineup, because nope. I've never heard of, like, five of them. And one of them, Seth Brown, hit, like, two home runs. Your thoughts on the White Sox losing today 7-3? to three? Yeah, why the hell did you make me watch this game? I'm sorry, man. I was like, <laughs> that's punishment, man. It's like Friday night. Right. You could be doing other things. I probably wouldn't, but let's I mean, no. anything, I anything else. I mean, look at these people. This is the fun part for me, where a yes. bunch of people are just pissed, just on a fire, Matt. Fire TRL, fire Han, fire KW, fire the hot dog guy. The hot dog guy, too? Keep the hot dog guy out of this. Yeah, I mean, seriously. But, I mean, this this was so perfect for what this season has been. Of, it feels like there's no hope. Dumb plays are made. You get good enough starting pitching. And then everything just, you know, you get that one glimmer of hope to keep you going and then more dumb plays happen or more dumb play and multiple dumb things happen on that play and then you just roll over and die and that's what tonight ended up being against an awful team awful i don't care how many games they've won in a row sure they're playing better but before that houston series they hadn't what was it they hadn't swept a series in like 33 consecutive i think they said during the broadcast you know what that means you're not a good team And you know what? These teams that aren't as good, that don't have the talent level, or at least the perceived talent level of the White Sox, are able to beat the White Sox because they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And the Sox are awesome at shooting themselves in the foot. That's their thing. Uh, Let's just get into it. Like, I'm not, we're going to talk about the TA thing in a minute. But first, we'd like to go over the pitchers today. And Lance Lynn ran out of gas in the sixth inning. I thought up until the fifth inning, even the home run that Piscotty hit, he was fine. He pitched five and two-thirds today, uh, gave up how many hits? Sorry, Steven. Yeah, five. he gave up five runs. Four of them were earned, six hits, no walks, but eight strikeouts. And his opponent, James Caprillion of Cy Young, six innings, one hit, four uh, one run, four hits, one walk, four strikeouts. And that some bitch KPW... Jinxed it because 
He said Daniel Lynch's name, which is a name that cannot be said here. God damn it, KTW. But Caprillion was nothing special. He was hanging balls all day long. White Sox were attacking him. The home run that Lance hit, Lance Lynn got hit off him in the second inning versus a guy that he's had trouble with that Stephen, uh, before the show, brought up that uh, Stephen Piscotty does well versus Lance Lynn in his career, and he hit a very nice pitch. And if you could bring that up for us, Stephen, he had a very nice pitch in the seventh pitch of the at-bat. If you're looking on YouTube, you could see it. It's right on the line, lower uh, portion of the zone right there. It's just a good hit right there by Steven Piscotty. I don't he, give he Lance got his Lynn. hands in really well on that. Pitch. Yeah, I don't give him blame, Lance Lynn blame for getting a home run. Sometimes home runs are going to be hit, but what happened before that is what I give blame to. Yoan Moncada pitches up the ball perfectly, and one of your leaders, one of the people that is counted on to be one of the guys who sets the tone for the White Sox. Literally set the tone in the opposite way where Jose Abreu drops a ball thrown right to him. So that starts off the inning and starts off at rough. Then Lance Lynn gives up a blooper, and then the home run follows. This team, not only stake bidding, but they always make mistakes on their own. Unforced errors are the White Sox bugaboo, and they're just doing it all game long versus crappy teams, Rick. And that's the thing. is this? Remember when... I don't even know how long ago. It feels like at least a month ago now. It was, well, the White Sox are going to have the easiest schedule down the stretch, so don't fret too much. Yeah. And fine. And that could still come to fruition. There is still time. But when you keep seeing the same things happen, that's when you have to start. You know, it's when you're dating, it's always like, hey, if someone shows you who they are, believe Mm -hmm. them the first time. Yep. This team has shown us what they are. Multiple times. And it's not like they have enough ammo, as you guys covered on the trade deadline episode. It's not like they have the ammo to truly change what this team is and the structure of it. They don't have the ability to do that. So the White Sox are what they are. It's just, as you mentioned, is what they are going to be good enough to win this division? It seems definitely possible. I'm not as confident as you that they're going to pull this out. Mm Mm-hmm because they don't have the basic fundamentals to put together any consistency where, once again, Cleveland, I agree with you, I'm a little more worried about them than Minnesota at the moment, but Cleveland at least has an identity that they're not going to spend, but they're going to play smart generally, and that's what they they do, and I'm going to trust that a little bit more. Yeah, and to further the point of the White Sox with low baseball IQ – and no accountability for low baseball IQ. Stephen, I want to go to the quote LaRusa made before uh, this game to Vinny Duber and the assembled media. Um, LaRusa said, There are two ways to look at it. This is uh, as a, a response to Lurie Garcia getting picked off a third after Yoan Moncada walked at, out there in Colorado on Wednesday. LaRusa says, There are two ways to look at it. You could take a one step lead and you don't, you don't get doubled off, but at the same time, you don't take extra bases, so we make mistakes where we're not smart. But most of the mistakes we've made have come from aggressiveness. And what you do, you just coach it up. You find out why that was a mistake, but you don't take the aggressiveness out of the team. I want to stop right there. <laughs> this is a dumb team. Like, <laughs> Jose Abreu, right after he doubled the other day in Colorado, gets doubled off on a line drive to the second baseman. Everybody out there, you guys have dads and uh, mothers out there, have kids who are playing softball and baseball that teach your kids, freeze on a line drive. Freeze on a line drive. Don't go. Where are you going? Jose. Then you get Lurie Garcia picked off at third base, made the third out at third base while a guy was walking. That is dumb. And then, and I know everybody wants us to get to it, so we'll get to it. Tim... Devon Anderson Jr., what the fuck are you doing? You are a leader. Get your shit together. That is inexcusable what you did today. Inexcusable. You cannot. You know this from jump. You've been suspended for this before. Hitting or touching an umpire. You know you can't do it. And that was on strike one. And, Steven, you can bring it up, and this is why he has a point. I mean, why he was griping. Early in the game, that same umpire had called 
Pitch number one, if you're watching on YouTube, it's high and inside. It's off the plate. It's not a strike. Fine. Swallow that shit. Swallow it in the time that it happens. And this is where he got struck out. If you're watching on YouTube, all the rest of the pitches are where Lurie Garcia took over. The number one, it's touching the top of the zone inside. Yes, it is a pitch that is questionable. It's borderline. But that's strike one. You could say, hey, um, I don't think that's a strike. You could have your gripes, something like that. But you cannot, once he throws you out, you cannot touch him. You know that. You cannot approach him in the aggressive manner that you just did. You touched him with both your helmet and probably kind of your body. You're going to get suspended for multiple games. As a repeat offender, you might get suspended for more games than you think you should. Five to ten games. So, as a leader, as a leader, you fucked up there. That's inexcusable. There's no one in this chat line that's defending Tim. There should be no one in this chat line defending Tim. What he did was wrong. And then we bring on the other point of Stephen Nicholas, our producer, Lawrence Holmes on Twitter, a lot of people back there. Where's Tony LaRussa to stop T.A. from getting that close to the umpire? You got to get out there. And when he did get out there, he was walking. He was calm. No, you got to protect your player from getting thrown out of that game, firstly, and then secondly, touching the umpire from getting suspended for more games. I just don't understand what's going on. Rick Camp has brought up a good idea. Maybe we can employ Rick Camp's idea for TA in the future, or for uh, Tony LaRusso in the future. What was your idea? Well, you know, at different levels of baseball, you're allowed to have maybe just a designated runner. <laughs> so whether this is when the pitcher gets on base or a catcher gets on base, you're allowed to have a designated runner. Whenever Larusa or someone in the dugout needs to book it to help a player that can't help themselves in a moment, maybe that's Miguel Cairo. He's your designated running manager. Or, like when yeah. you need to get out there, that's his job. Get between Tim Anderson and the umpire in this instance. Now, it's I feel like there was probably no stopping the actual like brim of the helmet. That happened pretty quick. Yeah. But the after that You've got to separate them quicker. When you see there's contact, and maybe it's a little difficult to see that there was contact from their angle. Who knows? Because it was technically helmet to hat. At that point, someone needs to be like, okay, this is different. This is different than just a guy arguing and get tossed. There was contact. So once again, that has to be something that even if it's not LaRusa, if he can't see that, someone has to be like, hey, they just made contact. Someone's got to get out there now. And for- someone has to do that. Even if it's a base coach coming down there to help, someone has to get there. But I love the thought of having a designated running manager. <laughs> Maybe that's Miguel Cairo. He just tags him in, and then Miguel yeah, Cairo goes over the ropes. Exactly. Oh, there's Miguel Cairo's music. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, what I was saying, too, though, like, Maybe LaRusso's too old to physically get there in time. Somebody else has to be out there running saying, all right, we can't have T.A. getting tossed or even worse now suspended. I don't know if it's Miguel Cairo. I don't know if it's Ethan Katz. Somebody's got to get there, and it just didn't happen. And now we got to deal with, for at least the, the rest of the series, no T.A. Yeah. Playing from I'm, behind. I mean, he probably will appeal the suspension, so it will allow him to play the rest of the Oakland A's series, but I'm sure it's going to be at least three games, if not ten because he's a repeat offender. And it brings up a bigger point with the Jose Abreu thing, with the Luria Garcia thing, with the Tim Anderson thing, with the countless things that happen with this White Sox team. Baseball IQ is at zero. They have a dumb baseball team, like really, really dumb. You can see it in some of the Yasmani Grandal at bats right now. He's taking pitches that are down pipe, right down the middle and then swing it at balls that are way outside of the zone. Just garbage pitches because he put himself in that situation by taking great balls. Wow. Um, so, nothing? Nothing, Rick? I mean, you acknowledged it immediately. Oh, God. I, I didn't have the space. But you know, to, to that point, too, and it's being brought up in the chat, yeah. in the comments, it's just it, with Tim Anderson as well, think about the situation of when that happened. 
Josh Harris, like the game, the game had kind of felt over. And then Josh Harrison, who was, he was bound and determined to pull a ball Mm -hmm. in that game. No matter where it was pitched. Right. Was able to pull one for a home run to make it a two run game. At that point, at least from our perspective, watching the game, it felt like the mood changed in that moment. Okay. Reese McGuire doesn't get on base. Fine. Don't really expect that. He's got his hands full with plenty else. So then, what? I don't get it. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Then Tim gets up there, and the second that happens, all the air or any perceived momentum is gone from that moment, and it felt like the Sox were DOA. Right then, it felt like nothing else mattered at that point. Get to the next day. And, I mean, at least for La Russa, there is the silver lining of now he can justify leading off Larry Garcia tomorrow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and I'm going to the game. That's the worst part about it. I got to watch that crap in person. That's why I'm going to get drunk and high right after the, right after I leave here, drunk. Secondly, once I get home tonight, high. Um, I'm not going to drive home drunk, guys, because that's not me. Right. That's somebody else. <laughs> God, cheap shots everywhere. But no matter what, this is the main point of this. Miguel Cairo can fill that role, too. Wow. Uh, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> this team has to change from top to bottom. Jerry Reinsdorf has to go. I don't wish for his demise. I just want him to sell the team. Kenny Williams has to go. Thank you for the championship, brother. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Bye. Rick Hahn, you have to leave. Gone. Bye. Because what have you done? This team you have rebuilt forever comes up to this. A 49-50 and 50 team losing to the Oakland A's. Well, they beat the Astros. I don't give a goddamn. That's the A's. Did you know any people out there? Does James Caprillion really get your, your dander up? Does he really? Oh, man, that James Caprillion was the shit. No. James Caprillion sucks. He's terrible. And the White Sox seem disinterested to give him any type of tough at bats. He was 47 pitches through the fourth inning. That's the terrible thing. And they weren't doing anything to him. Right. Not and, at all. And, like, an early swing is okay because there was Aloy and Gavin Sheets had some early contact that was good early in the game. That's fine. If you're getting something hung and it's the first or second pitch, swing at the opportunities you get given, Yasmati. Like, it's not that difficult. So I can live with, as, my, as frustrating as it is, like that first AB where Aloy looked like he was really getting into one. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Hard contact, it's an out. You can live with that because it was a pitch to hit. You wish they could do more with it. Gavin Sheets, the next AB, have the same thing. That's the thing, though, is there were too many times where swinging at pitchers pitches early, especially early in the game. And then when Caprillion was starting to lose it, that's when you had guys up that were being way too patient and too, it seems like maybe even too cognizant of the pitch count. Mm Mm-hmm. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. You make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including the guy we're going to talk to in a second, Vinny Duber's content, and all the people who write for our great website. You'll even get a free T-shirt like the one I have on of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, and all for making a $50 first-time deposit or more at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got better. See an edge in the game that you're watching? Is your favorite team primed for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with the game live. For more live betting, more live markets, and lo- more fast live cash outs, follow along with the bets the moment they hit and stay live. Stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. So once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Without any further ado, let's get out to Guaranteed Rate and talk to our beat writer, Vinny Duber. Vinny Duber is live from Guaranteed Rate. What's up, Vinny? Fellas, how are you tonight? 
doing great. And you got uh, Rockford's <laughs> finest band on your on your T-shirt right there. Absolutely. It's, I mean, that is the best news we've had all day long. Just you being here with a great American flag and the cheap trick shirt on. <sighs> Who spoke today, Vinny? Was it? It was Tony, of course, Lance Lynn, and what was the player that uh, got the chance to speak in the clubhouse? Yeah, we heard from Josh Harrison too, and uh, you know, uh, short on short on uh, short on answers. This team is is kind of short on answers when it comes to explaining what is going on. I think they know what's wrong. I think the the thing about turning it around is what is tough to explain. Obviously, it's been tough to do. Obviously, uh, otherwise, this team would be in a much different spot. But here they are, back under five hundred. That was ugly tonight. The A's are bad. They are a bad team, and they uh, came into town, and the White Sox were worse than them tonight. So um, obviously, uh, this is baseball. You're not gonna, you know. You're not going to win every game against a team that has a lower record than you, and you're not going to lose every one against a team that has a better record than you. But we have been talking about this 19-game stretch against teams that uh, the White Sox should be beaten up on, and uh, so far, not so good for the Southsiders. And it just, I don't know, Vinny, it just feels like they, they there were so many missed opportunities as well in terms of Caprillion was fine. It seemed like he was fine, especially in that sixth when he was losing control is when it seemed like they could have, for once, even with the low pitch count, been more aggressive. And maybe I'm just fixated on Yasmani Grandal, and that's just kind of an evergreen thing. But I don't know. I guess where is there any progress that could be realistically expected in the short term, considering, as I know you guys spoke about on the deadline special, that there's no way to fundamentally change what this team is this season. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, listen, the a, a night like tonight, we've seen far too often from these White Sox uh, hitters, and that is, you know, they're chasing bad pitches. That's what Tony La Russa said, and he said, when they're going good, they're not doing that, but they haven't been going good uh, often enough to prevent this from being a big-time trend. Uh, they need an offensive boost, no doubt about it. And, you know, there are some opportunities. Rickon has a, a couple positions on the field, second base, right field maybe, to, to go out and find a bat. But as uh, all White Sox fans know at this point, with that uh, farm system that they've got right now, there's probably not a lot of big, giant names that they can come in and, and, and grab, uh, make a package to get, and, and, and drop in the middle of that batting order and, and make a big difference. So uh, the onus is on the players who are here right now to play a lot better than they have been. And, and listen, we can go around the diamond and, and say positive things about basically everybody. Uh, you know, listen, Tim Anderson's been good all year. Jose Abreu has been good all year. You got guys like Grandal and Moncada and Pollock who have really turned it on of late, uh, man, the potential of Aloy to, to come in and hit a lot of home runs for this team. All those things uh, are happening. They're just not all really happening at the same time. And, uh, that's that's no way to win ball games. Uh, you know, Josh Harrison was talking after the game about you know kind of the same mindset that they've had all year about being uh, a team that shows up every single day, ready to win, doing the work. Their chemistry is so great. I believe all that is true, but uh, he also said it doesn't necessarily mean wins, and and that's very much what has been the case for this White Sox team this year uh, to this point. And so I, I go back to this, and I think I'm starting to say it on a on a show by show basis, Herb. It's can this team turn it around? Absolutely. Uh, will they? Well, they haven't shown us yet that they're that they're going to that they can. Uh, you know, they're capable of doing it. They're so talented. We know what all these guys can do but they're not doing it. They haven't done it now for four months. And uh, that is a pretty big sample size. Uh, you're talking about two thirds of the regular season being uh, just about over here as we head into the trade deadline. I thought Lance Lynn was pretty good through five innings and ran out of gas in that sixth inning, gave up a couple home runs there. But did he say anything? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't throw his teammates under the bus, but Jose missing that ball, then a, a bloop single by Elvis Andres, and then a good hit by Piscotti for the home run. I thought he pitched pretty well. What do you say after the game about his outing? Yeah, he thought he pitched pretty well, too. He, he, you know, he's getting the strikeouts back up. Didn't walk anybody. Uh, he was happy with that. You know, we've seen a, a few games from him this season where it's the first, second inning, and it's just a hit parade. Uh, and that has kind of gone away. He, I, I, I truly believe that Lance Lynn is, is back on track, that he is a guy uh, who is looking far more like himself the last few times out. That being said... 
this is about results. He knows that. We know that. And uh, he gave up three home runs tonight. And that's not really something you can do, especially when you've got an offense that has struggled to hit the ball out of the ballpark the way the White Sox have this year. Uh, it's not so easy for them to claw their way back into uh, a game once there's a, a crooked number on the board. So, uh, again, Lance Lynn is the kind of guy who's going to be simultaneously happy with the process and upset with the results uh, to, to, to use a uh, terminology that you use quite a bit, Herb. Uh, he is a guy that uh, is happy when he sees things going in the right direction for him personally, but he knows at the end of the day, you got to win ball games and you can't win ball games if the results are not what they, uh, if the results are not reflective of uh, how good the process was. And Vinny, I wonder about Tim Anderson. This is a second time, at least, Bumping into an umpire. The first time I thought was he's in a scrum up in Detroit. It's negligible. But he got suspended for that. Two games, I think, eventually, at the beginning of this season. Now this is egregious. I do not like what Tim did today. Yeah, he can be believe that that ball was inside, but it's strike one. You still have a chance to win that game because you just got a home run from Josh Harrison. What did Tony have to say about Tim getting thrown out right there? And then why did Tony get thrown out subsequently? Well, Tony was defending his player, I think, and, and he talked about, you know, I think he was kind of arguing the same thing that, that Tim and the rest of the team had kind of felt about the way the game was being called that this evening. Um, he defended his player after the game, and I think he did it very specific to Tim, which is Tim is a, a guy who has built a brand and built a career and built a very successful, uh, you know, Major League uh, Baseball few years here on being an emotional guy on, on playing with emotion on wearing himself on his sleeve uh and tony and tony argued tonight that this is part of it, it it's not always just going to be uh pumping up your guys and and doing the whole uh, shush in the crowd and all that kind of thing sometimes things don't go your way and your emotions are still there and uh i thought tony made a really good point to be quite honest with you you know listen the rules say you can't argue balls and strikes but you don't want people to go out there and just be blank faced like, all right, I'm not allowed to say anything about it. I'm not allowed to show how I feel about it. Um, you know, you talk about what Tim might've quote unquote cost the team tonight. I think he brings a lot more value to the team by playing with the emotion that he does. And by being the emotional spark plug of this team, as well as the results spark plug of this team, uh, than he does from, you know, sitting back and, and, and taking it and just hope that the base hit to right comes out of the deal. So, um, I think there's a lot of value to his emotion. And I think Tony was absolutely right in saying that his emotion should have been given a little bit more leeway than it was tonight, because if you saw he was out of there, you know, immediately after he, he basically said a few words and that was it. So uh, according to Tony, he didn't cross the line or anything like that. So um, he did appear to bump the ump with, uh, with his, with the bill of his hat, bill of his helmet there. Um, but again, how many times are, are they going to show uh, throughout, throughout the rest of baseball history? Uh, you know, the, the nose to nose umpire arguments as, as part of highlight videos and stuff like that, right? You know, you, whether it's, whether it's Earl Weaver or Lou Pinella or, or, or probably a few of them with Tony LaRusso in it, I would imagine, you know, those, they can use those as an advertising thing, but they can't let the player, you know, get up in the grill of the umpire. You, you gotta, uh, you can't really have it both ways uh, there. And so, uh, yeah, Tim Anderson was thrown out tonight. Uh, I, I think that maybe uh, his teammates or at least his manager thought that maybe he shouldn't have been uh, at least uh, not as quickly as he was this evening. Does Tony think he'll, he'll have a lengthy suspension for that? Tim Anderson? He said he, he, said he didn't see uh, the, you know, the, the suspension-worthy incident in question, um, but certainly that's a no-no, right? Touching the ump is a no-no. And so, you know, it might just be a game or two. We'll, we'll see what happens here uh, uh, when uh, the league makes their decision on it uh, coming in the coming days. Vinny, uh, we don't have much else for you. Anything else <laughs> that from the three guys who spoke that really stuck out to you? I mean, we did see your quote that, uh, or the, uh, Tony LaRusso's quote from pregame about, you know, base running and such. Did Tony think about punish? Not, I feel like punishing is the wrong word, but taking Lurie out after that incident that happened in Colorado where he gets picked off a third base, because I see this bad base running and things like this keep on happening, and I don't know if I see accountability for these such things. So did Tony speak about, okay, Lurie made a mistake, but it wasn't of aggressiveness. It was of 
I think he said it was aggressiveness, but I thought it was of low baseball IQ, but, you know, that's a little harsh. Well, and I'll say this. I think that you're viewing it probably through your your lens on, on all of this, right? I mean, I think that it's easy for a fan to sit there and say, bench him, and you know what? Especially when it's someone like Larry Garcia who has uh, earned the ire of so many fans for not producing uh, this year. Uh, I think it's probably easy to say that. I don't know if that's the way these people think. You know what I mean? I think that you've got uh, – um, just because there's no immediate – visible to fan um, consequence for a mistake like that does not mean that there's no accountability. And, and a, granted, I, I don't see it uh, either, so I can't speak to that being the case. But I would just like people to think that, you know, these guys are here for a full work day when they're not playing in the three-hour game that you're watching. And there could be a lot of conversations being had that aren't maybe necessarily the most pleasant conversations. I'm sure people have, uh, you know, made a mistake at work before screwed up and had to go talk to the boss and it wasn't uh, the nicest thing in the world. Um, that is a form of accountability. I would, I would argue, right. I mean, like uh, people look at it so much like fantasy baseball or a video game maybe and say, all right, you do one bad thing. You're off the team kind of thing. And I'm not quite sure that that's how it works in the real, the real baseball world. Um, that being said, uh, you know, it's a mistake. It's a bad mistake. It was, we, we watched it and we, we kind of couldn't believe that it happened. Right. Uh, I think Leury probably knows that he's a baseball veteran. I don't think he's going along just, uh, you know, whistling like, uh, the sunshine is out and he'll be, uh, everything is just peachy, but, um, you, you try to make up for it. You try to do better. And I think that's what Tony was saying. And, it comes down to pressing in, in my mind, in my opinion. Josh Harrison mentioned it a little bit ago, talking about trying to do too much. I I, I watched that play uh, that Leori made or didn't make or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, and I, I saw a guy that was trying to steal home on ball four. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and that's not what you do. You can't do that. You have to play a little bit smarter than that, a little bit more realistic than that. And I think Tony's comments alluded to that, but it doesn't necessarily mean um, that, uh, you know, it earns the, uh, the, the hammer being dropped on you, so to speak, even though I understand uh, that a lot of fans would like to see that given what Larry's numbers have been this season. Um, you know, I would think I would, I would, I would say this, uh, certainly not the only mistake that the White Sox have made all year um, uh, and not the only mistake made in that game. I think, you, uh, Herb, you pointed to Tim Anderson and the, and, and the thing that he made in the field. Tim Anderson has a lot more cachet with the fan base, uh, has a lot more uh, positive offensive contributions than Larry Garcia does this year. Did you want to see Tim Anderson benched for making that mistake uh, at, at shortstop the other day? Just something to think about. And the last thing I got for you, Vinny, is just updates on Luis Robert, Jake Berger, guys down in the minor leagues who are rehabbing. So with Luis Robert, he did not play tonight. He was experiencing some cold symptoms uh, that I'm sure we all uh, get uh, uh, from time to time. Uh, he was expected, as of this afternoon, to be in the lineup tomorrow and play in center field. So uh, not, to our knowledge, uh, uh, related to the other symptoms that were uh, causing this uh, time on the IL for him, but uh, he it, it's not a big deal. The, the White Sox just wanted to inform uh, why Luis was not in the lineup tonight, so there was no uh, great panic uh, upon seeing that he was not. All right, that is Vinny Duber live from Guaranteed Rate. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Read his great pieces at allchgo.com and become a member after you read that good stuff. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks, guys. Have a nice night. That is Vinny, and we're going to talk about – let me do a read before I get going uh, on actual stuff and get mad again. Let's do Owen. Is that, you cool with that, Rick Camp? Praising for the win. <laughs> I have to tell you about Owen, <laughs> Rick, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients – Allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. I took a Owen when they brought some good samples in here, and I love a good protein shake because they taste nice and sweet. I have the strawberry banana because that's my stuff right there. And as a diabetic, type 2 diabetic, it doesn't raise my blood sugar too much. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears ju quarterback Justin Fields. You see him out there doing work on the field, signing autographs for his favorite fans who follows a plant-based diet, and he drinks Owen. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase of 
us. The first purchase at liveowen.com with code CHGO2020. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. You know what Owen means, Rick Hemp? Only what you need. Like more Justin Fields? Oh, we need a lot more Justin Fields. Yes, we do. Oh, God, I wish he could play baseball. He used to play baseball back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be a much better player than some of these White Sox yeah. players. Would Justin Fields get caught off base? No. No. Never, unless Matt Nagy was uh, his manager. Yes. The one positive, well, there's other positives, but the one positive I saw out of today's game, which I've been clamoring for, for the White Sox to do, especially Aloy Jimenez, hit the ball to the opposite field. He did that three times, I think, today. One time he hit a slider to left field, but whenever he hits the ball to right field, that's when you know Aloy is locked in. He's letting the ball travel. He's letting mm-hmm. the ball get deep. He's seeing what the pitcher's throwing and hitting the ball where it's pitched. As we're talking about Josh Harrison in the bat before he hit the home run, I'm just yelling out, Caprillian's throwing sliders. Like, he threw three sliders in a row to Josh Harrison. Three straight sliders. One was in the left-handed batter's box that he uh, Harrison fouled off. The other one was in the same kind of area, but a little closer to the strike zone. And then the third slider he hit, he just grounds the ball out. I'm like, can we think about a plan of maybe waiting and letting that ball travel a little bit? And then, like Aloy did, hit the ball to right field. Hit the ball where it's pitched. It's just so many things like that that makes me say that this team is baseball IQ deficient. They don't know what the other pitchers are trying to do to them. If it's James Caprillion, if it's Daniel Lynch, if it's some other scrub-ass pitcher that's shutting them down, Herman Marquez out there in Colorado, the atmosphere was great for the L.A. Dodgers right after the White Sox left. They hit a bunch of home runs and scored a bunch of runs. But the White Sox, nah, nah, son, nah, son. We ain't no home runs in Coors Field. It just... This is just a frustrating team to watch, and I can't believe I picked this team to to be my favorite team. God damn it, Rick! I need to go back in time and do that do that thing. I need to find that. I don't need to win the Mega Millions today. And did I win it? It's I already do. over. I don't win the, need to win the Mega Millions. I just need to go back and beat that kid's ass and say, choose like the Brewers. You'll be in a better situation. Yeah, they'll they'll change uh, leagues, but hell, you'll have more fun <laughs> with the Brewers. You know, there's no expectation that stadium's better than ours too. Bratwurst are great too. You think so, too? Have you ever been there? Miller Park? Amphib? I've not, actually. Oh, oh, you need to get up there. That's a, I know. That's a, that's a Rick Camp I'm Fat special. I know, and the thing is, I've been to, although more on brand for me, I went to Pfizer Forum, so Ugh. I've been up in Milwaukee. Oh, that place is great. Is it? Yeah, it's really nice. The Bucks are up there and they're fans. Yeah, I, it was <laughs> a, uh, I, went, I went up there, and this is very on brand for me. I went up there for a Bucks Nuggets game. Oh, because man, I saw some good basketball. Yes, in. I saw a really good basketball man. that first year that was open. But, uh, but, yeah, it's almost like with this team and some of the issues they've had, you know what would have been nice? What? The uh, roster was fortified a little more in the, in the old offseason. Oh, that's Which uh, has been a uh, topic of conversation to say in the comments today. It's been kind of its own separate thing going on while well, basically while we're bitching about the team and what happened tonight. Oh, people it's are having a, conversations. Oh, they're yeah. Having, they're bitching to each other. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, it seems like there there may be, you know, there, there's the guy, one guy in there, Brandon, that's uh, very much, you know, Stockholm Syndrome with uh, with White Sox ownership and just Reinsdorf ownership. The, the reason that I will always, and, and this is something I've said on a few different platforms before, mm-hmm. that I will always be mad at baseball owners is because of, of the of the competitive balance tax, as they mm-hmm. call it, or the, the NBA version is. Because obviously, people don't know me, my main focus is basketball. That's where I see a lot of things through a basketball lens. The competitive balance tax is so piddling and bullshit compared to the NBA. The competitive balance tax in baseball is what, 20% year one? So for every dollar you spend over that number, you have to pay a 20 cent tax. In the NBA, hmm. where it is essentially, well, it's, it's essential to pay the tax to win. You have to pay a dollar for every dollar you spend over. And isn't it like punitive after years? 100%. It's after three years. It, it gets worse after three years, and then there's higher thresholds. Like the Golden State Warriors, with the owner that is in the bottom five to seven in terms of net worth, 
are going to are breaking records every year for how much their payroll is going to be. And part of that is because they have a new stadium that rakes in a ton of dough. That is 100% part of it too. But the thing is, in baseball, you can afford to go over the competitive balance taxes that these owners don't want to pay anybody. So they instituted it to say, well, our hands are tied. You know, it's the White Sox, our hands are tied. We just can't pay it. Well, you know what? Then you don't care about winning because yeah. look at the teams that are going to be that are winning. They're teams that are willing to pay. So if it's the old thing of being second place is the best place to be, <laughs> or if it's just a matter of hey, put out a decent decent enough product, and we'll we'll take we'll be able to say hey, we're not filling up the park. Winning and you know winning enough games maybe, but the thing is, if you care about winning, you have to be willing to pay for it. Doesn't matter the sport. Baseball is included in that. Like part of the reason the Dodgers have been so great is because they know how to spend their money properly, whether it's with the major league team, whether it's on resources internationally, not necessarily in terms of paying for players, but helping to develop players, boosting up their minor league system, having a strong organization so that all the time when they are willing to spend, they have the prospect capital to trade for people worth paying. This is something that the White Sox and a lot of teams are struggling with or just don't really care enough to optimize. That's what happens when, hey, it was the ideal of huh, Andrew Friedman, take him out of Tampa, give him an actual payroll and you know, way to structure and flood an organization with a philosophy and money, and look what the Dodgers have turned into. That's an optimized organization, and a lot of organizations, just like the White Sox, and a lot of them across all your major sports, don't care enough about winning to do it. So we're sitting here now dealing with, mind you, a 7-3 to three loss against a bad team is going to happen whether your team is good, bad, or indifferent. The Houston Astros just dealt with it with the A's. But the thing is, if you want to claim that you're a team that wants to win, it doesn't necessarily have to be on your own terms. Or be transparent of saying, here's our budget. Here's all we're willing to spend. We know the competitive balance tax is X, but we're only willing to pay X minus this amount. Deal with it. Then take everything that comes at you, and who knows? Then maybe you'll actually might not have enough money because you actually might not have enough attendance and might not be able to then pay for your own players or anything else, and maybe, God forbid, your profit margin might not be as big. All right, so here are the five teams that have gone. Well, there's three teams that have gone off the competitive balance tax this year. L.A. Dodgers. They're good. The Nine Mets, my favorite squadron. They're also good. The New York Yankees. They are good. The Philadelphia Phillies. Not as good. They're but, the Phillies. Hey, try it. I'm sure no Phillies fan will be like, hey, man, my ownership is not out there trying. The fifth-place team is the San Diego Padres, who are in the playoff hunt. Boston Red Sox right behind them. And then a bunch of pe- money b- below that is the White Sox at seven position right there. Mm-hmm. So the White Sox neither build up the farm system, nor did they go out and get the people that they needed. And I saw earlier there was a comment of somebody saying Rick Hahn did this whole Cubs rebuild, but then he did it wrong at the end because what the Cubs did, they had all their players come up and all their prospects pretty much hit. Mm-hmm. And then when it was time to supplement the major league roster with either pitchers, right fielders, second basemen, we went cheap each year. No more Mazzara, Adam Eaton, Gavin Sheets. Now we got Josh Harrison, good, not great. Starting pitchers, no, we didn't go out and get any starting pitchers except for Lance Lynn via, via the trade market. But the Cubs went out and got real people. What about, John what about Dallas Keuchel? Oh, yeah, I forgot we got Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. Fort Worth Keuchel. Um, <laughs> Corpus Christi Keuchel. Yeah, Beaumont Keuchel, terrible ass. <laughs> we got to see him next week. Yeah, and somebody said, Phillies fired their manager. There's accountability yeah. because they spent so much money. They're like, okay, let's go out and do it. Tim says, Edwin Encarnacion. Tim also says, Cesar Hernandez. You know, mm-hmm. all these people that the White Sox go out and get are subpar. They're not of championship caliber acquisitions when you're there 
And no one would have told you before the season that the White Sox weren't there. I think most people had the White Sox not only in the playoffs, but in the ALCS or World Series, at least in their predictions. When they saw the roster, they saw the pitching staff coming back. Like, these guys are going to hit a bunch of home runs. The pitching staff's going to shove. But, yes, they didn't fix the roster totally, but they'll hit over that or they'll pitch over that. But this is the problem. Organizationally, they're flawed. No, they're not the Dodgers with the great minor leagues. And then when the Dodgers want a player, guess what? If the Dodgers want Juan Soto, they're going to get Juan Soto. Same thing with the Yankees. They're going to get them. We're, those are the teams we're battling for World Series. So, yes, we're in a dogfight right now, and that's why we're, half of us are mad with the goddamn Twins. The weird-ass Minnesota Twins, Steven. Weird-ass Minnesota Twins. My man. And the Cleveland Guardians. We're battling for our lives for garbage like that where we should be looking at, like, we don't match up or come close to the Dodgers. We're not in the same realm as the Yankees. The Mets are much better than us. Hell, I hate, I know you White Sox fans hate to hear this. The San Diego Padres are better than us. They're better and well, more well positioned to go and get Juan Soto because their major league staff is good and they have a bunch of minor league players. They can go and get anybody they want. We're in this baseball hell. I was asking Rick if the Bulls are in basketball hell. We're in baseball hell right now. We're in the middle of just mediocrity. In 2016, that's what Rick said. We're mired in mediocrity. We haven't left. We're still here. How? This team, this whole franchise needs to go away. All the people on the franchise need to go away and get a new franchise and have people in here who want to win. You know, the Jerry Reinsdorf people in the stands would be like, they're seventh in payroll. But how'd they spend that money? On right. bullpen. Garbage shit like that. Right. No one wants that. And the bullpen's not working. Bullpen's giving up runs. We saw the Colorado game, and he's pitched more, better than he's pitched poorly. But Kendall Graveman, from time to time, has those games. This is troublesome that we are not in the conversation for Luis Castillo, who's going to go to the Mariners. We weren't in the conversation for even an also-ran like Andrew Benintendi, who would have been a solid left-handed bat for the White Sox to pick up. We're never going to pick up Juan Soto. That's out of the question. And Shohei Itani, hilarious. Hilarious. This is where we are. We just got to watch this team, watch them win the AL Central or not, and then get promptly get out of the playoffs by some team that you've never heard of, like the Seattle Mariners with Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray shove it up our ass. It's just... It's just depressing. I, I know that fair, we have all these games left that watch this bullshit. Because we know we haven't had one like, man, these White Sox are out here murdering folks. No, we haven't had one of those yet. And I'm waiting for one. But also, I'm still Charlie Brown. And the White Sox are still Lucy. And they're snatching that ball away from me all the time. To be fair, yep. Julio Rodriguez will shove it up the Sox, too. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Exactly. We have... We, have no, we don't have a player like that. We thought we had a player like that. But yeah. Luis Robert is yet to be the player that we've wanted him to be. Right. And Tim Anderson is good, but not great. He talks a talk. But when you need to be calm, when you need to be there for your team and not get thrown out of the game, mm -hmm. he gets thrown out of the game, and he will get more games today. He'll get suspended. I'm betting it's got to be five games or more. Because he's a repeat offender there. So they have just a dumb baseball team, and I just can't stand it anymore, even though I know I got 60-plus or 70-plus games I got to watch of this bullshit. Ugh! Yeah. Why? And the thing is, to where this circles back, because even though obviously Jerry Reinsdorf isn't picking players, but you know what his job is to do as well? is to hold responsible the people that are picking the players and setting up the systems throughout the organization that should help give more options in terms of players, in terms of skill sets for this organization, and those people are not being held accountable. Yep, That's the point of this, and not enough of those people and not the ones at a, at a high enough level. Like, what would, At this point, what would a hitting, firing... Frank Medicino do to, for anything. It's all for show. So if things are going to happen, it has to be at a bigger level. That's the thing. Otherwise, it really feels like differing, different 
varieties of spinning your wheels. Yep. And that's just kind of what we've come accustomed to at this point. And it's it's so funny how similar things are. And at least there was a regime change with the other Reinsdorf organization to where it's at least a little different at this point in time, but it's still feeling fairly similar, just a different route to get there. But I'm sure, Campy, that Arturis and Mark Eversley have full control over the team. They 100%. know that there's no Michael Reinsdorf saying, I'm going to hire Doug Collins to push his team to the next level. True. That's the, that's the similar move that... Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf just did with the White Sox. Arturis, I trust in Arturis. I trust in Mark Eversley, even though they're dealt with a shite roster. Some of their own doing. A lot of it at this point. Yeah, and so they're not going anywhere. But the White Sox, like you're saying, Kenny's not getting fired. Neither is Rick Hahn. Nope. They're safe in their jobs. And somebody was asking me, you think Rick has control? No, he should quit. If he doesn't have control, this is half the problem. You got a guy that knows his manager sucks and just sitting there and letting this manager just suck and doing nothing about it, sending out little messages to certain people so it can be happening, you know, so you can get the message out that I don't like Tony type of things or where you're mad during the press conference so you know, so we know that, Whoa, I, he, I didn't hire this guy type of thing. Like, you're kind of pissed during the press conference. I get it. You didn't hire him. Cool. But now, if you've accepted the job, move forward and smile. Shit. Unless you, unless you can go to Jerry's desk and say, man, you got to fire this dude today, right now. Because that is the only thing that I think is holding – not the only thing. That's one of the things that's holding back the White Sox. Like, the attitude in that, that clubhouse – and he sets the mood there. And what's going on with this team that's underperforming? If the team's underperforming, that means the manager's not getting these players ready to play. So the manager needs to go. And all that coaching staff, all that you're saying, Rick, like, I don't have anything against Chris Getz, but he's not qualified to be a minor league coordinator. What did he do before that? Like, they're just hiring people that they've been on the team before. Justin Jersley, who's good, but he was just a minor league player for the White Sox, inflamed out, and then they're like, oh, you could be a better manager. Same thing. They do that with Nicky Delmonico's, the hitting coach in single A. Uh, Danny Farquhar's, the pitching coach in single A. They just hire former White Sox all the time. And I was joking during the game, the Rangers going to look down there in the A's dugout and see Mark Cotte. He's like, oh, he played for us. I'm going to hire him after Tony. Yeah. I'm going to get that guy. It's just a very... I don't want to say incestuous. It's very insular uh, organization that loses all the time and doesn't change from losing. They don't see this as, oh, man, we should do something different from what we've been doing for the last 40-plus years. No, let's continue doing the same shit and enjoy the money that's coming in. But also our fans are out here maybe leaving. You know, there, you don't have you don't have to be a White Sox fan anymore. If you want to leave and think this team is done and the owner is shit and the GM is crap and the manager is terrible, please, please leave. Life is too short to sit here and have this team ruin your summer. As Scottie Pippen says, don't let them fuck up your summer. Go to another team. Enjoy the Brewers. They're in first place. Uh, the Cardinals. Enjoy a different team. Enjoy the Mariners. Houston Astros. Who cares? Because this team is not going anywhere but a first-round exit, even if they get to the playoffs. It's just that frustrating right now. I should wrap the show up. I don't know how much time I got left, uh, Stephen. I got six minutes left. Okay. Right. Six minutes on why the person to blame is Matt Thornton. Go. <laughs> hey, Mox, I don't think Matt Thornton is anything to blame. He was great tonight. Uh, it got brought up in the comments, and we were also playing and talking about it. The, the Osmani Grandal at bat. Yeah. Yasmani yeah. Grandal. I mean, whew. Here's the thing. It's the sixth inning. Runners are in second and third. You guys see it on the screen who are people are watching right now on YouTube. If you're listening the day after on Saturday, God bless you. But also, stop listening. Come on now. You're listening to a, a show that we're just pissed right now. I'm I mean, to, to be fair, if they made it this far for you to say that, it's like 55 minutes in. You might as well just, like, keep rolling. Mm -hmm. All right. So the first pitch is a strike. It is actual strike. On the thing, you see it's kind of low, but in the strike zone. Mm -hmm. The umpire, who 
eventually ran Timmy out, causes the ball because the catcher drops the ball. So we get a reprieve right there. The second pitch is a strike right down the middle, and Yasmani takes it, just takes that pitch. Then the third pitch, he fouls that ball. It's a four-seamer. And then he, I think he fouls out the fourth one. And then the fifth pitch is outside the zone. It's another slider. He swings at that one and misses it horribly. Like, the number two pitch is middle-middle after you got a reprieve from the first pitch where the umpire called a ball where it was a strike. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know how your process is working right there, Yasmani. And, but this has been happening more often than it hasn't been. I don't, then this is not just a Yasmani thing. This is a White Sox thing. They're sometimes aggressive when they shouldn't be and sometimes passive when they shouldn't be. And this is the thing that I get frustrated the most with. Hitters count sometimes. They're 3-1, and they're just letting balls go by. The other day, Lurie Garcia, God bless him, hit a three-run home run, or hit a three-one home run because he was aggressive. The White Sox only have one 3-0 count home run, and that was off the Gavin Sheets bat, I think the last homestand. It's a thing either with the players or the hitting coach or all combined. They don't have a good, solid plan to attack the pitcher when the pitcher's giving you fat pitches to attack. Well, and, and part of it, too, that lends to not having a, an approach on a given day and part of this is just the nature of each individual player. And I think you can only have an approach to a certain point because you do have to let guys be themselves so that they're comfortable to a point. So yeah. they'll be most likely to succeed. But you have the complete ends of the spectrum with different guys on this team. Yeah. Because early in the game, like I remember we got through, what was it, two batters? And we were like, Oh, seven pitches. <laughs> seven pitches through the first two batters. How about it? And we were all excited. But then you have oh, but then good. you have a guy like Grandal where it's like, swing the bat, please. So it it just to me it lends to a lack of cohesiveness because it's even one thing if it's a clear team approach against whoever the starter is, he's gonna give you strike one, be aggressive. Generally, that's going to be a fastball, at least first time through the lineup. Like, let's say that's that's what the scouting report is for whoever the pitcher is. Mm -hmm. Fine. If you go through the first time, pitcher doesn't throw many pitches, and even if you're not able, and even if you're not hitting well, at least if you're showing an approach, it's something. With this, it's different stuff with each guy, where it's just frustrating. It seems like it's much more, so much more in, individualistic than it probably should be for these guys. Yeah, and Van Dam brings up a good point. How can, you, how can you have two catchers in the lineup when Vaughn is on the bench? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know that man gives you a quality of bat most of the time he's out there. And so having him not in the lineup at any time when he's not hurt is a mistake by the manager. And Jesus Shuttlesworth, your wish will be answered very soon because I believe August 21st will be Sean Anderson and I watching a game live. I don't know if Vinny will be joining us then. But it'll be Sean Anderson, I, maybe Steven will be behind the camera. And we'll be watching a game with you live here on YouTube and commenting during the Sox mm. game. It's an early one. It's an 11 a.m. start. It's a Sunday, August 21st. White Sox at Guardians. All right. Yeah, so, so Vinny, Vinny theoretically be here, should Probably. be here. I'll be cussing. Sean will be chilling here with his Backstreet Boys pin on. Is he going to make sure to win Sox math that day so that everybody can see him win it? Yeah, and then you you remember who was in the video? Uh, our guy Stephen Nicholas was in the video at the end right there. If you guys are watching mm -hmm. Sean's uh, socks math nice video, nice backup had cameo. Yeah, he was great. He he turns out the numbers for Sean, but yes, August twenty first, we will be here doing a live show, cussing them the White Sox lose to the Guardians. Remember, <laughs> I predicted that the White Sox will take over first place August twenty second, the day after in Kansas City, where they got a makeup day. Sean. It's just dumb. He said August 12th. What the hell, you know? He thinks the White Sox are going to take over August 12th. That's when we're feeling good. Now, I'm going to push that shit way back. Right. Oh, my Can God. Can we end on something positive here? Never. My, my favorite parts of today's game, shockingly, okay. involved food. Okay. Um, for one thing, the conversation in the booth. when they got, For one thing, oh, they got barbecue God, brought to them. That. Also, the conversation <laughs> around the sausage was um, special. <laughs> 
Also, you want my it, sausage? <laughs> <laughs> and I then, have one of my own. And then <laughs> Minetti's just <laughs> cracking up. Right. And before that, yeah, Benetti hands Steve Stone a jar of honey, honey. and Stoney starts putting his finger in the in the honey and licking it. And then <laughs> asks Jason if he wanted it back. <laughs> And this is after Jason got it on his scorecard, which that is the worst because he clearly has the book. Yeah. Because then you're messing up multiple pages there. Yeah, there's no so restoring that. Is, that. But although that might be a good thing considering the last two games for the Sox. So, you know, you put those two together so you they become one sheath. And, oh, darn, you just can't look at those two anymore? Fine. And the last thing, and this is more concerning for me, I worry about Steve Stone, who I love for this. Never had a funnel cake, fam? That's weird. Like, I mean, it's, it's a funnel cake, I mean, dude. Born and raised in Cleveland, that's tough. I mean, it's clouds every day. Period. There's probably no, there's probably no fairs in Cleveland, right? You know, acid rain every well, day. Yeah, you don't think it's a city anyway. I don't. It's terrible, and we're actually going August nineteenth and twentieth. Oh. So right before I do, we do the live show, I'll be in Cleveland to watch the White Sox lose that game <laughs> to the Guardians, and then come right back and do the live show on August twenty first. Yay! And Cleveland, yeah, it's while I give Milwaukee high praise for their stadium and their mm-hmm. atmosphere outside the ballpark, whew, both the Ohio stadiums, Cincinnati and Cleveland, not good. Not good at all. Progressive? No, I don't think so. Very regressive. Very <laughs> terrible. And I asked. I think it's fine in the I asked stadium. one of the patrons there. I asked every patron. When I, not every, what, at least one patron in a stadium that I go to, I was like, hey, man, what do the locals eat here? What's the thing that you can't find melt. anywhere else? I mean, melt, I went, but I was like, where in this stadium can I get oh. something? This some bitch looked at me with a straight face and said, stadium mustard. This motherfucker suggested a, a goddamn condiment, condiment to me. Like, is the thing that I got to get. Some, some regular Dusseldorf mustard. After that, I was like, Cleveland's out. Check it out. <laughs> and, yes, my fiance Courtney, mm-hmm. will be going with me. She yeah. wanted to check off this terrible ballpark. So, we got to go to this terrible ballpark and watch it. But then we're going oh. to Atlanta over the uh, Labor Day weekend to check out that ballpark and also nice. go and see the grave of your man, Big Boss Man. Cobb County's finest, Big Boss Man. And my other guy. Who? Rick Camp. Oh, dearly departed Rick Camp from the Atlanta Braves pitcher. Yes. Got a home run in extra innings back in the day. Yeah. Tom Gorman, that bum, hanging, hanging a curveball to Rick Camp in the 18th inning. Game started on July 4th, ended on July 5th. Rick Camp got the loss. But we don't talk about that part because he hit the home run in the 18th inning. One of the best home runs. And by one of, I mean the best, but I'm trying to be humble here. One of the best home runs in Major League history. Thank Am you. I biased? Not at all. Thank you, Alpha Man 06. I love y'all show. Thank you. I love our show, too. I was a little mad early. I'm sweaty right now because I'm mad. And you're you. And I'm me, too. And Tim Tam says, if you're in Cleveland, try Swinson's. Is that the the home dinners? <laughs> Swanson. Oh, Swanson's. So I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's Cleveland. So right. I was like, we're going to get the the home dinners and shit, the, the man meals, <laughs> the single man deals. Uh-huh. I, and Connor, we're coming to Toronto. Uh, Courtney's father, I think, was born there. Courtney is a half was a dual citizen of Canada and America, so we're going to Toronto one of these days. And the T dot is the kids call it up there. The six is the kids call it. So we'll be up there at the Sky Dome or the Rogers Center and join some poutine, the Centre, and some Molson Golden A and some Tim Bits. Sorry, Connor, I'm fucking up your language. I do this to Courtney all the time. It's like, I'm, when we go to I England, gonna I'm going to say, do, that's not like Canadian. My Canadian accent is perfect. No? What? No. Well, what? Let's, go to, let's go to get some tidbits. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a late show. What are you doing? It's a late show. I mean, maybe it's just because I was in Minnesota, so I'm a little cl- I was a little closer to it. Yeah. But, you know. I was mixing up my English slash uh, Canadian accents. Yeah, that we'll go with that. Connor, do they like when you make fun of them with their accents? I'm sure they do. That's why I'm going to do well, my... Well, they're co- too polite to say I'm, otherwise. I'm going to do my Cockney accent when I go to Britain. I'm like, oh, man, that guy's a regular bloke from down the street. Like, yes, I am. <laughs> a choice, a choice. <laughs> we got to end the show before I get fired. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Behind the camera is our producer, Stephen Nicholas. He's been awesome today. 
Our guy who joined us from Guarantee Rate is our beat writer for CHGO White Sox. It's Vinny Duber. We appreciate his time. This guy is sitting to my left. Sitting in for me is Rick Camp. You can follow mm-hmm. Rick Camp at Rick C. Camp on the Tweet Machine. And I'm Herb Connor. Just know, ridiculous. My, my English slash Canadian accent is great. Um, I'm at, least, at least you just proved you've never seen hockey. Because if you've seen any hockey ever, you would know that your accent was so far off. Hey, garbage goals, eh? Let's go to Tim Hortons after and listen to a Rick Moranis CD. Why are you a robot now? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? I'm Herb Lords. I can't do it. I do on 23 is the where you follow me on Twitter. Please don't. I'll fall again. Um, <laughs> Sean Anderson's out at Backstreet Boys enjoying his time out oh, there in Tinley Park. Man. Say hi if you see him every, oh. ever. But we're done for the week, and we'll see you on Sunday early, 1230, pregame start for the White Sox Athletics when the White Sox try to stave off being swept by the goddamn <laughs> Oakland Athletics. So for all the people that did this show, and I appreciate your Sports Genius 38, we appreciate you. And go White Sox on CHGO, White Sacks.